0: to the National Treasure Hunt podcast where the secret lies not only with Charlotte but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I am Emily. Yes, she is. And today we are coming to you with our 18th episode. My gosh, Emily, we are reaching the end of season two so quickly I can't even believe it.
1: We are now legal. We are now of legal age.
0: Yes, our podcast is of of legal age. This This is exciting. Um... With that said, we do have a very exciting episode for you today, as always, and that episode is going to be a deep dive on the history surrounding the Resolute Desk, or should I say desks, and how they came to be. So we're going to be taking a look at how National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets portrays this history talking about what actually happened in the world and you know relating it back to the film as much as possible because that's what we do here right we are national treasure hunt but before we get to all of that it is time for Emily and I to dive deep into the pit the pit that is parkington lane and it is time for us to kick this episode off with our still fairly new segment that we are calling screams from parkington lane now ah! Yes, thank you for that clarification, Emily. For those of you who are new to our show or even haven't tuned in in a little while, we are bringing you Screams from Parkington Lane, which is an acknowledgement that National Treasure and the full franchise has infiltrated my life and Emily's life so much that it pops up in our daily lives, our daily working, our personal interactions, and everything. And so we are fully in the pit. We are fully in Parkington Lane, and we're going to give you our screams, telling you about how National Treasure is popping up in really weird parts of our lives. So Emily, do you have a scream for us this week?
1: So like. I kind of do. (laughs) Okay. So, guys, the other night I was sleeping, right, which, like, I normally do. Yeah. Yeah. And I woke up in the middle of the night and was like, oh, my gosh, that's my screen. And by that, I mean I had had a dream. And I knew that that was what I was going to talk about on the podcast this week. As often happens with dreams, I can no longer remember the full context (laughs) of said dream. I do believe that it had to do with some sort of treasure hunt, which would tie us back to national treasure, but just so you know, you can trust me on this one, it is invading my sleeping, Mm -hmm. so you're welcome for that amount of dedication.
0: Yeah, I know. Thank you for sharing, and thank you for your sacrifice. Um, I, too, have a scream to share. Um, I believe the last time we were on, on the air, M, I explained how I have these weekly lunches with colleagues that are nominally not about national treasure, but somehow every week they, you know, somehow turn into it. And this actually mm-hmm. happened again to me recently. Um, these people must hate me. I mean, I would hate me if I were <laughs> But... One of my colleagues who's on this virtual lunch was talking about how he's going to be spending an extended period of time in another country. And so he was joking around and saying, yeah, I've got to come up with, like, a fancy code so that, you know, all of the, the metal detectors in the airport in this country and, you know, all those people, they can't read what's, you know, my work files and things like that. And without thinking, Emily, without thinking at all. I literally, I unmuted myself, so this is like, I'm like in the moment, right? I unmute myself and I say, "Have you considered the Ottendorf or the Playfair cipher?"
1: Oh my gosh, Aubrey.
0: And then I promptly left the lunch and said I had something else to do because I was embarrassed.
1: Did you really?
0: Um, I did try to change the subject again really quickly because I, I felt bad. Um, <laughs> I just feel like a caricature sometimes, you know.
1: Did he say he was going to do it?
0: Um, He made some super, I don't know, borderline offensive comment that if it was in National Treasure, they probably weren't too hard to crack. And that's when I did assure him that these are legit ciphers that have been used in past war times and are, you know, very real and not just made up for a National Treasure movie. Um, But... But, yeah, I get a little defensive about it. I don't know.
1: I would never have guessed.
0: And if you, too, get defensive about national treasure in your daily lives, you should tell us about it. And you should tell us about your thoughts on this episode today, too. And you should do that on social media. So, Emily, where are they going to find us?
1: You can find, 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 find us, 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 us. On, 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 on Twitter. And Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. You can also find us for your lovely listening ears on iTunes, Spotify. Be a little more hipster. Go down that SoundCloud route. We got y'all hipsters covered there. Go ahead, like, subscribe, review, rate, comment. Do do whatever you can on whatever the platform is. Honestly, tell us what you think uh, and chat with us. You know we love hearing from you and I enjoy hearing about all the fun things that you guys say to Aubrey who runs the social media (laughs)
0: Um, yes I do I do share it guys so if if you're wondering if I ever relay your messages to Emily I, I do indeed Uh, But with that said, let's deep dive right into today's conversation about the Resolute Desks and what will be a conversation about a ship called the HMS Resolute. More on that in just a second. But Emily, I think to get everyone on the same page here, we've got to jump in with some movie context. For anyone who isn't nearly as big a fan of these films as we are, they might need a reminder of why this is even relevant to Book of Secrets, right?
1: Yes, or for someone like me who just has the memory of a goldfish.
0: Or that. So, with that, you might recall that in National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets, the entire conversation about the Resolute Desk starts with a clue. As we always start in this film franchise and that clue comes from the torch of the statue of liberty in paris translated into english that clue reads across the sea these twins stand resolute to preserve what we are looking for 1876 now
1: you know aubrey i'm a little disappointed that you didn't transcribe that into french and read it in french because well, you took French in college. But I'll let it let it slide.
0: We've seen you try to pronounce French words on this podcast before. La
1: boule and lady. It's a French word.
0: Lady is French.
1: La boule. Okay. <laughs> I
0: I thought we would we would spare spare the difficulty and the pain. Um, So after we find this clue, of course, we launch into a classic Ben Gates moment where he is deciphering the clue in real time in Paris. And he tells us that the HMS Resolute was a British ship lost in the Arctic in the 1800s. This ship was salvaged by American whalers, and then Congress sent it back to Great Britain. Now, when the ship was retired, Ben tells us that Queen Victoria had two desks made from the ship's timber. One of those desks is located in the Queen's study in Buckingham Palace. Now, of course, fast forward a little bit further into the movie, Ben, Abigail, and Riley find the first half of a very important Olmec plank in the Queen's resolute desk in Buckingham Palace. Once they realize that this is only half of a full plank, Ben automatically knows that the second half is in the second desk, which, of course, is the Resolute desk in the Oval Office at the White House. They eventually find a photograph of the second half of the plank in the president's secret book. So, does that all sound familiar to you, Em?
1: It does now that you've said it, Aubrey
0: so glad I mean to be frank we didn't pick this really niche point out of the movie to go history deep dive into just for funsies I mean it's a really integral part of the movie
1: it is an integral part of the movie and I think what we need to do next is start jumping a little bit into the history which tends to be a little bit more of what I'm down for Uh, uh, history does involve some chronology but it also has some like fun facts in it um And I'm definitely down with that. So, looking into this, guys, I have to say that basically all of what Ben Gates just said, or not just said, but what Ben Gates said, I mean, we're constantly watching these movies, so we might as well have just said it, is legit. I mean... You know, I'm always the one that's on top of the timetable for these podcast episodes because I'm the one that has to edit them. So I'm going to go ahead and say that, like, we're good. We can pretty much go home now and podcast over. So let's let's wrap it up, Aubrey. Start start with that outro.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Well, just kidding. Um, just kidding, sort of, I should say. The, the summary line, the thesis statement is pretty true. The basic bones of the story that Ben tells us yeah, it's it's pretty legit, but there's a lot of detail left out here of history that I think is really interesting, and that's what I, I really want to discuss with everyone here on the episode today. And this story really does start with the ship, the HMS Resolute. So the, the story of the HMS Resolute is is one that I found really entertaining because it starts with a man named Sir John Franklin who was captaining a British expedition in the Arctic starting in the year 1845. So we're in the 1800s, right? Now, Sir Franklin's expedition was looking for the Northwest Passage to the Pacific, okay? So they were up in the Arctic, lots of... Ice and icebergs, and we all... Penguins. No. There are no penguins there? No. North is polar bears, my dear.
1: (gasps) I thought the penguins were in both of the places.
0: Polar bears and penguins, for the most part. What? Up, down. Yeah. (gasps) (laughs) No, what I was going to say is icebergs, ice. I mean, we know how the story goes, right? There was, you know, a pretty famous iteration of icebergs called the Titanic. We know how that went.
1: <laughs> um. <laughs>
0: yes, thanks to that musical interlude, we know how these stories go. Uh, unsurprisingly, perhaps especially in the 1800s, Sir Franklin's expedition kind of went missing in the Arctic. And so long story short, Great Britain had reason to believe that him and his crew were in trouble. So in the early 1850s, they commissioned many rescue missions and sent them off from Great Britain. And um, even a few came from the United States to try to find out what happened to Sir Franklin and his expedition.
1: They waited five years.
0: Uh, yeah. So as you'll find really shortly, these Arctic expeditions are expected to take some amount of time because of ice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll loop back to that in just a second. <laughs> um, and I'm just going to say that the story of Sir Franklin, which really isn't a part of National Treasure... I'm just going to say this feels like something that could be incorporated into National Treasure 3, right? I mean, it would create a lot of nice continuity callback to Book of Secrets since it involves, in just a second, the HMS Resolute. And I mean, Emily, since National Treasure 3 is going to come out so many years after National Treasure 2, I argue that these sorts of subtle callbacks will be really important for viewers like us.
1: You know, Aubrey, I would agree But I also will comment as a viewer who has the memory of a goldfish and say that if they tried to make that sort of callback, I would not likely understand the reference they were making.
0: Right. You wouldn't understand it until we got on the podcast and talked about it. And then you'd have this big aha moment live on the air, right? Yeah,
1: like I so frequently do.
0: It would be really satisfying, though, would it not when you had that aha moment? This is true. I rest my case. So in any case, uh, the HMS Resolute was one of the ships that was part of this supposed, you know, rescuer reconnaissance mission. The Resolute was a three-masted bark merchant ship. And Emily, I know you know exactly what that is, right?
1: Well, bark sounds like wood. (laughs) And merchants sell things. So I'm going to say it was a ship made out of wood on which people sold things.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I can argue with the legitimacy of that. I will add to it and say that apparently bark ships are known for their mostly square sails. So I actually think a lot of, like, Pirates of the Caribbean British Mm. ships, you know, like the square sails, big boats. I mean, it probably wasn't that elaborate because, you know, movie magic and stuff. But fun fact, I know you love these. The Resolute's former name was the Tarmigan, and it was renamed to the Resolute once it entered Her Majesty's Navy.
1: The Tarmigan sounds Scottish, which I just really love because it kind of sounds like tartan, like almost not at all, but like it's close, and it makes me think that it was probably Scottish first. So just like
0: what is tartan? A tartan? Yeah.
1: Tartan is a pattern. Like, a plaid pattern. Individual uh, families have different tartans. So, like, my family has a specific tartan that is a specific plaid pattern with specific colors and stuff like that.
0: And this is why Emily likes plaid so much. Moving right along. Um... (laughs) The Resolute was purchased in February 1850 by the British government for, again, this rescue expedition, and it was outfitted as an exploration ship for specific use in the Arctic. So what that means is it was reinforced with strong timbers, there was internal heating um, added to the ship, and as all Arctic expedition ships need, it was given a figurehead that was a polar bear. Cause again, Arctic is polar bears. Um, I'm just gonna say that given the all encompassing importance of having a polar bear figurehead to make it relevant to Arctic expedition, I'm just guessing that the Charlotte in National Treasure wasn't outfitted properly. I mean, we saw Emily that it's figurehead was definitely not a cold weather creature. It was a
1: woman. It it was indeed, and you know, Aubrey, here's where I have to do one of those things where I admit that, unsurprisingly, I've gotten a bit bit confused. Yeah. So, when I first was going through our Google Doc and uh, looking at these notes here, I, I saw the mention of the Charlotte and, for some reason, thought that that was the HMS Resolute and got really confused as to how they made the desks out of it after it had gotten blown up by Sean Bean.
0: Oh my god.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that's where I'm at today. Um, (laughs) Wait, wait, wait.
0: Wait, did you think that this whole time, like the entire 27 years of your life that have passed
1: so far, that... I don't know if I made the connection the whole time. I just, I, like... It kind of, t- it, today it clicked for me that they were two separate things, wow. but I don't think that I'd really thought about it much before. Um, I'm,
0: I'm so glad we could clear this up for you.
1: <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> because two ships in one movie franchise is too many. You must have yeah. had a really hard time with pirates.
1: And and to be fair, I called the area where they found the Charlotte, the Arctic Tundra, So when we're talking about the HMS Resolute being taken through the Arctic, Mm -hmm. you know, it stands to reason that it got stuck in the Arctic. That only one
0: ship has (laughs) ever gotten stuck in the Arctic ever. Wait, really? No.
1: Oh. (laughs) Jesus.
0: (laughs) Moving right along, you are all witnessing this in real time, and I hope you're as entertained as I am. So here we are. February 1850, the HMS Resolute is purchased and outfitted. So now fast forward ahead here two years later in April of 1852. The Resolute and some other ships leave England for this Arctic rescue mission. And Emily, I'm going to throw you for a loop here. One of those other ships that joined the Resolute was called the Intrepid.
1: Wait, was that from the first one? Yes. In, in Wait, that was the one he, th- he jumped off of?
0: Yes, in National Treasure One, there is the USS Intrepid in New York that is actually located in New York uh, in the harbor. Um, this is not the same boat. I just want to oh. want to clarify that right off the bat. So, resolute the intrepid, other British ships, are in the Arctic searching for Sir Franklin and his crew. Now, throughout the year 1853, the Resolute and the Intrepid continued looking for Franklin and his ships, but only succeeded in eek finding the captain and crew of one of the other rescue ships that got stuck in ice looking for the ship that got stuck in ice. So,
1: bad news bears.
0: Yeah, (laughs) no good. Um... When winter 1853-1854 came along, the Resolute was, quote-unquote, prepared for winter by stowing its sails and its rigging below deck. Basically, Emily, this is what I was getting at. It was kind of accepted that during the winter months any ships up in the Arctic would just get stuck in the ice and they just kind of have to chill there until the spring came and the ice started thawing and like making a flow pattern, you know, out towards the sea. And that's why I said, you know, when it comes to these Arctic expeditions and five years, they waited five years ago, looking for Sir Franklin. I mean, kind of, yeah. And also it, I guess, isn't so surprising if you're expecting half the year to be trapped in ice.
1: That just seems like a really big risk to be taken.
0: I mean, they are explorers, and they are courageous. I guess.
1: Explorers of sitting in the same place for six months.
0: They are exploring the Arctic Emily, and you. we know that tundra. That tundra is rough. Um, regardless, there is a bit of a controversy here that happens in the spring of 1854, Now, the commander of this rescue mission, his name is Sir Edward Belcher, and he ordered the Resolute to abandon ship in the ice and basically kind of leave the ship there forever. And the whole crew was basically asked to walk across the ice through the Arctic to the ship outpost where the other ships of the rescue mission are supposedly Jay Chilling.
1: I'm assuming the ice was like thick.
0: So this is where different accounts get a little get a little interesting. Um, by many accounts, this whole demand of uh, Sir Belcher did not go over well because the person captaining the Resolute was like, "This is gonna be an issue that resolves itself very soon. You know, we wait another month and." the ice clears up and we can move again and spoiler alert move again the ship will do this is going to become relevant later on right um and emily i do have another fun fact for you and i think you're gonna like this it's kind of i don't know in retrospect maybe a little funny i'm
1: prepared
0: Um, in total four British ships were abandoned in the Arctic associated with this single story, okay? There was the resolute and the intrepid because they were sailing together. There was the ship whose crew was rescued, as mentioned previously, and Sir Belcher's ship. So they get to that outpost. They're walking across the Arctic tundra to go to that outpost after they've abandoned the Resolute and the Intrepid, expecting to find Belcher and his ship. But nope, Belcher's ship got trapped in the ice, too. LOL.
1: So they walked to a ship that was trapped in ice.
0: I mean, for all intents and purposes— uh, basically, a second set of rescue ships
1: oh my had gosh.
0: to be sent and brought all of these folks back home to England.
1: Was it worth it, England? Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> was it worth it? Was it worth the two sets of rescue ships for this one that went out? And how much info did you actually gain from this? I feel like I- maybe that ice was ice?
0: I mean, ice was ice. I'm sure they gained some geographical information.
1: And you know what other information they did gain? Because we're talking about ice, and ice is really just frozen water. They're really getting at the fact that water is the villain the whole time.
0: You know, Emily, we can go home. We've done it. Story over. Water was the villain the whole time. It makes National Treasure 2 even more poetic. You know? I mean, the the water in Cibola is clearly just a callback to the ice in the Arctic.
1: Maybe that was all of the water that melted from the ice in the Arctic.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Everything makes sense now. (laughs) No, but I I mean, very National Treasure related. I'm just going to throw this out there. Another pitch for a National Treasure 3 option. I mean, what if we incorporate the other ships that went missing? For example, the wreckage of the HMS Investigator, one of these other ships, wasn't found for a whole 150 years. It wasn't found until the summer of 2010. What? Yeah. The parts of the wreckage that were found on shore in 2010 were known by local indigenous populations for some time. And those wreckage sources became a source of copper and iron for those local indigenous populations but yeah us like as scientists and whatnot did not find that wreckage until 11 years ago so it just seems
1: like a really long time and I feel like this is just hammering home my point that like these ships weren't that important to people Because we let it go for 150 (laughs) years.
0: (laughs) I'm just going to say, this is 100% unfounded. So take everything I'm about to say at your will. National Treasure 2 came out in 2007. The wreckage of some of this fleet was found in 2010. I propose... That National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets is what reignited the interest in finding these lost ships. And there you have it. National Treasure contributing to society. Woo!
1: Look at us go.
0: Look at us go. We're really pulling out all the stops here. But no, the next part of this story, Emily, actually involves America.
1: America?
0: America. Because... In September of 1855, 16 months after these ships, the HMS Resolute included, were abandoned in the Arctic, something crazy had happened. Do you know what that thing was?
1: Ben Gates. No. And the Charlotte. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> no. The crazy thing that happened really isn't so crazy after all. They left ships in water. Water moves And ships move in water. So... When the ice melted The Resolute continued to sail So 16 months After the Resolute was abandoned It was found casually Floating in the Arctic By the American whaling ship Called George Henry It was found 1,200 miles That is about 1,900 kilometers From where it had first been Abandoned because again Duh, ice melts And ships will continue sailing What? Yeah. Yeah, no. This is this is really entertaining to me. And just another point as well I should point out, Ben Gates is a true history buff cuz recall he did tell us in National Treasure 2 that the resolute was found by an American whaling ship. True facts, bro. You
1: can always count on Ben to be correct.
0: It's pretty much true. So the whalers realize that no one was aboard this ship. It's like practically a ghost ship right there's no one on board this thing
1: were there any skeletons of dead bodies
0: there were not
1: that's disappointing
0: that is disappointing however many accounts say that they found everything on the ship just as it was left so like there was like in the captain's quarters there was a british flag draped over the couch and just like everything everything was just sort of left right it sounds pretty eerie
1: Like an undrunken cup of tea and a partially eaten scone.
0: I mean, given that they were in the Arctic and it's pretty cold, I I dare say anything that was left there would probably be okay in terms of preservation.
1: Go ahead and eat that scone.
0: You eat that scone. Um, Anyway, (laughs) the the American whalers took over sailed it back to their home in Connecticut and it basically became the property because he salvaged the ship of the whaler ship's captain whose name was James Buddington so people were flocking to the port in Connecticut to see this big British basically warship just kind of casually docked there Um, and I find that really funny and I totally wish it was still there because Emily and I would go to see it
1: we 100% 100% would, especially because yeah. Connecticut's cool.
0: Yeah. Well, Connecticut becomes important here, Emily. Because in June of 1856, people are starting to wonder, like, what are we doing with this ship? Like, what's, a, what's this massive ship doing here? <laughs>
1: it's just still sitting there in the harbor.
0: Jay chillin'. And... Virginia Senator James Mason introduced a bill to Congress that proposed that the resolute be purchased by the U.S. government, restored, and returned to Great Britain as an act of goodwill and friendship. Now, this bill was supported by Connecticut Senator Lafayette Foster, as well as a man by the name of Henry Grinnell. Now, Grinnell was an American merchant who had funded a few Franklin expedition rescue missions himself. Okay. Oh
1: my gosh. Lots,
0: lots of people looking for Sir Franklin. He was he was definitely gone but not forgotten. We can say that. <laughs> so So this is what happens. The US government purchases the Resolute for $40,000, which feels like a lot for that time period.
1: Also like a lot for a ship that like People just abandoned in the Arctic and like they technically found. So I feel like they could have just owned and not needed to purchase.
0: Well, it wasn't owned by the government. It was owned by James Buddington.
1: James Buddington certainly got a good deal on that.
0: He he did indeed. And once the ship was purchased by the U.S. government, it was refitted to perfect condition, even maintaining all of the original British crew's personal effects. So when they go to return this ship, and we'll get to that in just a second, basically like any photographs that were in the crew's quarters and whatnot, personal effects, etc., were in place. It was a perfect replica. Okay, so in November of 1856, the ship was sailed back to England, where it was met with great fanfare. And on December 30th of that year, a formal ceremony took place in Great Britain to hand the ship back over to Queen Victoria and the Royal Navy. So, we we did a great thing out of friendship.
1: Do you wonder ever if something like this happened today
0: Mm -hmm.
1: if we would be collectively as excited or do you think it was a time period thing like ships were such a huge deal that everybody was really excited about this ship or do you think it would be something that like today we could all like get behind or would it have to be like the the mars rover or something
0: I think it's a really good question. I think the fact that it was a ship specifically is probably very related to that time period. To get an equivalent amount of excitement today, I do think it would be surrounding I think the Mars Rover is like a great example. Something that's much more hip and current or like that little in... robot. Oh, the the little robot that was beat up in Philly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, there was definitely like this robot a few years back that was making its way across the United States and it made its way across by like hitchhiking rides with just good Samaritans. And when it got to Philadelphia, it was found like beat up and destroyed. Um, But yeah, no, I think, I think you could do something similar um, today that would get a lot of excitement and attention, but I, I don't think it would be a ship.
1: Mm, fair enough.
0: Fair enough. Venturing okay. Continue. Yeah, I'll continue the story. So, um, there's a before we get to the actual Resolute Desk part of this, there's one last tidbit that I <laughs> that I think is fun. You know, acknowledging that Sir Sir Franklin is gone but not forgotten. So remember that guy um, Henry Grinnell. Well, he and um, Franklin's spoiler alert widow hoped that the refitted HMS Resolute would be used for additional rescue and recovery missions for the Franklin Expedition. But nah, bro, it didn't happen. From the time that the Resolute re-entered the Royal Navy in 1856, the Resolute never again left its home waters and was retired just three years later in
1: 1859. But, like, they... Hold on. So they wanted it... Not only to just like be used for rescue missions, but to be used specifically, again, for these Franklin's mm-hmm. expedition rescue missions mm-hmm. of which we'd already sent out two separate cohorts of ships.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And more more than that. I mean, we're just focusing on two cohorts here in this story, but there were others. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a fun story all around. Um but there's it. It gets even more fun because three years later, when the ship was retired after being perfectly outfitted, the the Resolute meets what I would call an untimely end for a ship. Um, and that untimely end is the fact that it was salvaged for timber.
1: Shiver me timber. What? <laughs> Isn't that a thing that pirates say?
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know there were pirates in national treasure, but hey, um. Yeah, they they salvaged the ship for timber, which basically means they broke it apart and used the wood for something else. Now, R.I.P. What did they use that wood for? Well, that is I wonder. That is where the Resolute desks come into play. So, again, National Treasure tells us that two desks were made from the salvage timbers of the H.M.S. Resolute. Well, Mister. Ben Gates, you're a little bit wrong here. And it's, there, were actually three, there were actually three desks made from the timbers. But to that, I say, it's all right. We'll cut you some slack. Because these twins' stand resolute has a much nicer ring to it than these triplets' stand resolute. And <laughs> we would have to incorporate a third desk. And at that point in, you know, movie land, it's probably overkill with the desks. Am I right?
1: Yeah, I think two desks was enough.
0: Yeah. So in real life... There, the first desk was a large desk that was gifted to U.S. President Rutherford B. Hayes in the year 1880 as a thank you for America rescuing, refitting, and returning home the Resolute years earlier. And um, this this is a legit desk that is, of course, referenced in the movie in the Oval Office. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, and on the real desk, there is a brass plaque telling the story of the HMS Resolute and how the desk came to be.
1: How big is that brass plaque? Because it seems like it's got to be pretty long for all these rescue missions that we had to do. (laughs) It's
0: not that thorough, Emily. (laughs) I'm sorry to say. The, The second desk was a writing table made for Queen Victoria. Nowadays, that desk remains part of the Royal Collection, and I believe it is located at the Royal Naval Museum in Portsmouth. And... I have to say, this is the desk that in National Treasure 2 is located in Buckingham Palace. So, yeah, yeah. so it's not actually at Buckingham Palace like right now in real life. I'd imagine the royal family can kind of call for it whenever they want it, if they want it. Um, But it is, it's in a museum right now.
1: So they were lucky that it was at Buckingham Palace because they went to Buckingham Palace. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean. I mean, do we expect anything less from Ben Gates, though? Come on. He he would have broken into the museum if he had to. True. <laughs> so the third and final desk that is not referenced in National Treasure was a smaller, quote-unquote, ladies' desk. What? Say it, Emily. <laughs> I, know, I know what you want to say. Say it.
1: Hashtag patriarchy.
0: There it is. Um, This quote-unquote ladies' desk is called the Grinnell Desk or the Queen Victoria Desk, which was gifted to the widow of Henry Grinnell in 1880 in recognition for Henry Grinnell's help searching for Franklin.
1: My gosh.
0: It's so funny that Franklin has so much to do with a story That he has nothing to do with, you know Yeah. Anyway, since the year 1983 The Grinnell desk has been part of the collection At the New Bedford Whaling Museum in Massachusetts So Emily, you and I have got to make our way up to to New England Sometime in the near future
1: Okay, let's do it I I like it up there, it's nice and cold
0: And I do have to say, I'm going to cut Ben Gates even more slack and a national treasure to even more slack, um, for not including the Grinnell desk, you know, aside from the fact that it would be desk overkill, let's be real. This desk was gifted to just a regular person, right? The widow of Henry Grinnell. We can't go giving super important history, redefining planks to randos in their desks.
1: That's true. Cause like how would then then you know if Ben did if Ben had to break into that woman's house He would have gotten in trouble because it would have been considered, like, breaking and entering. But, like, it wouldn't have been a big enough heist that people are like, oh, no, I understand. You're on a treasure hunt. Like, it's cool. It would have been like, why are you breaking into this old widow's home, dude? That crosses the line right there.
0: Which is really funny because we're we're kind of saying that he's more justified in breaking into or doing things of, like, federal scale as opposed to on the individual, like, home invasion scale. Yeah. Um, But...
1: I stand by that.
0: No, neither here nor there. Um, but let's let's talk, Emily, as we start wrapping up this discussion about the Resolute Desk and the HMS Resolute. Let's talk about the Resolute Desk in the White House, because that was featured so very prominently in Book of Secrets. So... The Resolute desk that was gifted to President Hayes has been used by every U.S. president since Hayes, with the exception of three. Do you know which three they are, Emily?
1: Do you think I know which three they are, Aubrey?
0: No, I just I was giving you a chance. The the answer is the answer is Presidents Johnson, Nixon, and Ford. So, interestingly enough, during their administrations, the desk was exhibited at first a Kennedy Library traveling exhibition from 1964 to 1965, and then it was exhibited at the Smithsonian Ooh. for Yeah, for 11 years, from 1966 to 1977. Now, in 1977, President Carter asked to have it brought back to the White House to go back into use by America's presidents. So if only
1: we were alive between 1966 and 1977, we could have seen it at the Smithsonian. We missed our opportunity.
0: We'll just have to make our way into the White House one day.
1: That'll be easy.
0: I mean, there are tours. I mean, they don't give you a tour of the Oval Office or the residence where it can sometimes be found. But, hey, you know. (laughs) Here's hoping. A girl can dream. Um, So to this whole point about the presidents using the desks, though, I do have to acknowledge our good friend and character Abigail from National Treasure. And I have to say that Abigail was right and Phil Dunphy was wrong. (laughs) Do you know why, Emily, or do I have to, you know, do you want me to explain here?
1: (laughs) I mean, I've been watching a lot of Modern Family lately, and it seems like Phil Dunphy is always wrong. So, like... (laughs) So this tracks. (laughs) (laughs) It makes sense, but yeah, no, I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: Okay, so as a reminder to Emily and anyone else listening, Phil Dunphy... Ty Burrell, the actor, you know, plays this character in National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets where he is the White House curator. And Abigail and Ben trick Phil Dunphy into taking them into the Oval Office to find the plank. Although, of course, Phil Dunphy doesn't know that's the reason. Well, while they're in the Oval Office, Phil Dunphy notices them remarking over the Resolute desk and really hashtag mansplaining to them What the Resolute Desk is, and which is particularly ironic because obviously if anyone knows from the previous context of this film, it is Abigail and Ben. But he says, oh, you know, every president since Hayes has used this desk except for Johnson and Nixon. And Abigail says, oh, and Ford. And Phil Dunphy says no. And Abigail's like, yes. And then Ben kind of clears the air with a, with a, and tells Abigail she lost her earring. And then that whole sequence happens.
1: And I'd like to say, (laughs) patriarchy. Yeah.
0: I actually can't argue with you there. (laughs) Can't just, you're right. Uh, Abigail was right. Phil Dunphy was wrong. And, um, And that's that. So as we start closing out this story, I feel the need to mention that the Resolute Desk has been moved around the White House um, a lot in history, in different, different locations, basically, from the former president's office in the residence section, to the president's study, to the broadcast room, to the Oval Office, of course, and each president gets to decide where it goes, basically, and if they want to use it and Where it should be located in the building, so um, I just gotta say, conveniently, our fake president in National Treasure Two placed it in the Oval Office, which is obviously super easy to access. Unlike (laughs) the, uh, you know, unlike the White House residence, probably it's a good thing. It's a good thing that our fake president decided to use it in the Oval Office as opposed to the residence, because I don't think Phil Dunphy would have been able to get us into the president's residence. I was gonna say I don't think
1: he has those credentials.
0: So. You know, this, of course, happens in the film because of plot, but we are grateful for the president's decisions in National yes. Treasure 2.
1: Thank you, National Two, National Treasure 2 president, Yes. for which your we service. Don't,
0: we don't even know his name, which I think no. is really funny. But um, in summary, to close this out. National Treasure 2 did indeed basically get all of the important tidbits that matter in this story of the HMS Resolute and the Resolute Desk correct. The
1: end. Thank well you. Well done. Thank well, you. That wasn't to you. That was to National Treasure 2, Aubrey.
0: Emily, if you hadn't figured it out by now, I take a lot of credit for National Treasure things that I shouldn't take credit for. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm I'm just being self-consistent. Um in any case, we do hope you enjoyed our, I was going to say lesson about the HMS Resolute and Resolute Desks, but I feel like this is more of an entertaining conversation.
1: It was a journey, quite was a ju- quite, quite, literally. Love that <laughs> journey for us.
0: I do, too. Um, so this is fun. We hope you had fun, too. And maybe you even gained a little bit more appreciation for National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets for, you know, how much they did not stray from history when it comes to this important plot point in the film. Um, But we do want to hear your thoughts. So tell us what you learned or what you think about this episode and really any of our other episodes in the past. And Emily, tell tell them where they're going to do that.
1: You can find us, guys, on Instagram and Twitter at... NT Hunt podcast you'll find us to listen to on itunes spotify soundcloud even go ahead like rate review subscribe to us guys we appreciate all of these things we would love to chat to you more about all things national treasure and national treasure too as well as any history things that were brought up in this episode Please somebody tell me that they also have trouble remembering the details of these movies like I do, so I feel more qualified to be a host of this podcast. Thank you very much.
0: Please someone tell me if you thought the Charlotte was the HMS Resolute. (laughs) (laughs) Please tell us if you thought there are too many ships. In this movie franchise and we will gladly pass that information along to the creators of the franchise to make sure they don't put any more in National Treasure (laughs) 3. Because it might just make Emily's brain explode. And we want to know if it'll make your brain explode too. So definitely let us know. And definitely come back for our next episode. The penultimate episode of season two of National Treasure Hunt is really one for Emily. Because next episode we will be ranking the National Treasure film franchise's iconic quotes. Which film is most quotable? Only time will tell. And you're going to have to come back to National Treasure Hunt to find out. Emily, are you excited?
1: I'm so excited for all of the amazing quotes that we're gonna be talking about and you'll have to wait and see which movie is the winner.
0: Yes, Uh, we actually we actually don't even know which movie is the winner yet because we haven't made our show notes for that one yet. It'll be a surprise to all of us but until then I'm Aubrey
1: and I am Emily
0: (laughs) and thank you so much for joining us on our national treasure hunt. Thank you.